what's your first memory of this whole concept of where we are today? What, when, when did it become something you thought about or were aware of? There's a few different origin points. So first was, I would say, our parents had us drinking wine inappropriately young. <laughs> inappropriately young. <laughs> it was very early Seemed on. Seemed to have worked out, though. <laughs> there was like a little pimple for us at dinner to try. Cool. Um, which I think also made like teenage drinking less uh, cool. Because you yeah. feel like, oh, this has yeah. been around forever. Right, right. Um, then our parents started looking at property. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were in high school, um, but it still felt like a far away dream. Mm-hmm. And then they they pulled the trigger on it, and they started a correspondence course. So I have a memory of being in high school and just coming in, and both my parents being passed out and snoring. While there's like a woman on like a small VCR droning on and on about like soil. Soil, oh cool. Yeah, because they were taking the correspondence course. Right, right. Tay, what do you remember? Um, I mean, for a long time it was always just a dream and an idea. Um, but it never seemed very tangible in the sense like they would talk about it, but I never really thought it would physically embody itself. Mm-hmm. Um, until one day they, they kind of pulled the trigger on it and it was, you know, they did a lot of work and planning on it, of course, but from our perspective, it seemed to kind of come out of the blue. It was like this elephant that you've always heard about that you never thought existed. And then one day like, oh, it's in the garage. Mm -hmm. Um, so they sat us down and told us all about it. We were all teenagers. And I think our reaction was probably just, like, disbelief. (laughs) Farming, really? (laughs) (laughs) I'd say that's where we started, was disbelief. And then, like, watching them get educated, but it was, like, a VHS tape that also didn't seem very real. But then when we saw the land and we came out here, we totally got it. So what, what next? I mean, we, obviously you guys went off to school. Lots of other things happening. But how did the, the whole thing become real? You know, obviously there's hundreds of acres of plantings and, you know, great brand, great wines today. So how did you become more involved with your folks and how did that go? Um, I mean, I think for them... You know, they did a lot of thought and groundwork into it, and they dreamed about it a lot. Mm-hmm. But then you have the kind of reality right. of owning a farm, mm-hmm. and there's a pretty big learning curve. Mm-hmm. So I think um, in the early years, you know, they were just kind of dialed into trying to figure out what the fundamentals were. Mm-hmm. And for me and my siblings, we were all teenagers then, so we also kind of got thrown out to it. And that, you know, they were out here in the summer, so we would be out here <laughs> and... Um, obviously working on different things but you know I started out working in the vineyards and doing gopher control <laughs> and kind of being rooted in the more rudimentary aspects of the farm mm-hmm. um, so there was there's kind of an early baseline for us and a long period of us just kind of learning mm-hmm. how to farm and about the industry and about the mm-hmm. 
particular terroir that we mm -hmm. had. And Taylor, too, was, um, I mean, I can't imagine a more dreamy job for a teenager than to be, like, the real-life Caddyshack. <laughs> the real-life Caddyshack. <laughs> he had, like, an all-out war with the Gophers for a number of years. Um, and I had... I had a really cool thing happen where I used to hang my, my art in high school in my dad's office and one of his business associates basically paid me to do paintings out here, landscape paintings for a summer. And um, I was really young at the time, I think I was 20, 20? Um, so to be able to see how the land changes throughout uh, the seasons, the rotation of the crops, all of those things, it was pretty magical and that definitely made me fall in love with this area. And then through various points in time I've gotten to work on the landscape and the trails and um, one of our parents' best friends is a landscape architect so she helped lay out the gardens with my dad and I've gotten to kind of collaborate and change those things over time. Um, so I think we all enter it with our own bias of, mm -hmm. of what's interesting to us in the estate. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's been really neat to see it evolve over the past 17 years. So reflecting on the 17 years, what surprised you? You know, that you're looking back and say, hmm, I didn't expect that. What was interesting or surprising? I think the the growth of Left Coast was really surprising um, in a lot of different ways, but one thing that amazes me is the the place has a life of its own. And so as owners, you know, we shape and we kind of direct that but very much the property um, kind of has its own willpower in a way and that our tasting room is based around all of those big beautiful oak trees and mm -hmm. that was never the spot where we were like, this is where the tasting room is gonna be. Um, it just naturally grew in that way. It was originally a shed that we were parking tractors in. It was like, well, what can we easily convert mm -hmm. to a tasting room? And then, you know, we had all of these beautiful oaks that we did some restoration work on, and we opened up the grounds around then, and then we had a tasting room there. And now the oaks have been such a big part of the identity of the property that we can't really imagine left coast without them mm -hmm. so it's like if we ever built another tasting room well it's got to be near the oaks because right. now that's part of the property so it's very much shaped its own destiny as much as we've said hey we absolutely have to have this you know mm -hmm. life in the land kind of has a different tale so mm -hmm. kelly how about you thinking back 17 years what, what yeah. surprised you um i mean i think that in the beginning the dream is kind of similar to other people's dreams, right? Mm -hmm. So we started with what we knew, and for my parents, there was that reference to Burgundy. And so we made all of these decisions, like, let's make the best wine in the world. Um, but some of those decisions were really impractical, like buying French wine bottles that are, you know, $2 a bottle. Like, that doesn't make business sense. 
So you do the romantic thing first, and then it moves to the practical. But I feel like the long arc of our story is way more romantic, and a lot of it has to do with honoring the land. And it's not just us. Like, we have our vineyard crew that's been with us for 15 years. They know everything about these vines and the land, and they're as committed as we are. So the fact that we have like an intergenerational arc mm -hmm. to it, I think allows the like time scale of how we look at the land really differently. Mm -hmm. And I view us at 17 years as kind of a teenager phase <laughs> where our property is like coming into its full beauty and its full potential. And there's so much more that can happen, but it's like becoming mm -hmm. its own person in a way right now. So how, thinking about the arc of your lives, you know, you've been able to travel a bit and, and have some great educations and lots of interesting things. How does wine interact with you and your friends? Or does it? I mean, what, what, do, you, what do you find culturally these days? I think that wine is a really unique thing in the world because it's tremendously diverse and mm -hmm. complex. Um, so I think naturally as you get older, you kind of start to be more interested in those things that have more <laughs> nuance and more layers mm -hmm. in them. Um, so I think wine is kind of a natural fit in that sense in that, like what I love about the industry is there's just endless things you can learn and that every kind of terminus of the industry, there's usually someone who specializes in that exact thing. So if they're sommelier, you know, they're focused on tasting in all the different mm -hmm. wine regions across the world. If they're a winemaker, they're probably focused just on their region and specifically right. winemaking and grape growing. Mm -hmm. um, so I think wine does play a really cool part in life in the sense that it's very unique and it can kind of match to each each of these different phases or mm -hmm. feelings or emotions that you're having at that time and for every situation um, there's probably a perfect wine in there so mm -hmm. I think it kind of fits in the way that you naturally grow and explore throughout life. I like that, yeah. Kelly, what do you think? How, how does it reflect your life, your culture, your friends, all that? Yeah. Um, I think something that's really special about wine or our access to wine is that we are in a more rural part of the Willamette Valley mm -hmm. and I watched that movie Bottle Shock which was about Napa in the 70s mm -hmm. and to me that's us like I think we're we're farmers first mm -hmm. and there's room for exploration and there's a ton of passion out here but a lot of it has to do with like the terroir and and, and bringing the the character of the land out in the wine um, and I've been to other areas my my boyfriend is from a rural area um, that are hard hit economically and I see so much vibrancy here and like pursuit of dreams and young people trying to do interesting mm -hmm. things it's a young wine region and there's a lot of energy and that's really exciting mm -hmm. so how do you think you convey that today and tomorrow so you think about as you know Taylor you said wine sort of 
follows the arc of your life or at least gives you some interesting things, interesting experiences as you, you know, experience the world and friends and also as we all get older. So how do you express that? Is it the region? Is it the brand? Is it the people behind it? Is it uh, time and place? Is it luck? How do you express that, which you just described, Callie and Taylor, through that bottle in a restaurant or that bottle on an airplane or that bottle at home or wherever? How, how do you do that? I, okay. So I think like our, our family's winery started with a dream. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's how a lot of wine starts because um, if you look at it, it's the most diverse category of anything you could possibly buy. Mm -hmm. You go into the grocery store, there might be 20 brands of toothpaste, but there's going to be 200 brands of wine. Right, right. Um, so within that, there's a lot of people like my family and a lot of smaller producers and a lot of people who are really you know driving these kind of passion mm -hmm. products and made it into their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So I think in that you can find those kind of unique stories and there's a story to every bottle. Mm -hmm. And um, there's also a lot of bottles that have no story that are kind of the, That's the corporate beast. Right, right. <laughs> um, so I, I think for wine, it's, it's a really cool category in that you can find kind of every level of care mm -hmm. to every level of cost to every level <clears throat> of accessibility and I think within that um, you know everyone can kind of find what works for them and mm -hmm. you know at the end of the day it's a product that we drink to enjoy ourselves so it should taste good and if you like the story or you like a little bit more complexity or you're after something mm -hmm more robust or more subtle there's someone out there thinking about that and trying to make it so mm -hmm. i think the basic challenge that all wineries face is um the label battle on the shelf so right. many consumers right. just choose their wine by the label mm -hmm. but i do think that through the digital world um, being able to experience, share the experience of the vineyard and of the estate is a lot easier through a website or through social media. So while there are dark sides to those things, I think they've kind of democratized um, access and what we can do. It used to just be if you could afford the big spread in Wine Enthusiasts. <laughs> Um, but now we all have a little bit more control over how we tell our stories and there's also on the consumer side more of an interest in experience. Um, so I think it's a more interesting space, but you still have to have good labels. <laughs> <laughs> you still have to have good labels. So what, Taylor, what would you tell Taylor 17 years ago that, you know, if, if you were starting out today, what would you reflect or, or what would be the time bottle <laughs> you'd stick in the ground today and look at it in 20 years or 50 years what would you what advice would you give to yeah I, I don't know if i would listen to myself you don't know if you listen to yourself <laughs> that's always a risk yes <laughs> um i don't know it's probably very like stereotypical advice and that 
you know, take things as they come and enjoy the time that you have. Um, you know, I think we spend a lot of times worried about the future, what it might hold, and we miss kind of where we're at and where we're present. Mm -hmm. It's in those moments that you're grounded and you're, you know, thinking calmly and clearly. It's typically when you do the kind of best planning and forecasting versus mm -hmm. when you're stressed out and worried about the future, your planning doesn't go quite as well. So. Mm -hmm. Kelly, how about you? What would your type battle say? Um, I think, like, for me, I almost think of the, uh, the vineyard as a sibling. And we've watched it kind of grow up, you know. It's as if our, our parents had a kid when we were <laughs> a little bit older. Um, and there were definitely growing pains, but I'm so proud of what we've done and, and being able to see just all of us have a different relationship with the vineyard um, and we've come into it at our own time and now seeing my parents step back from it a little bit. Um, I think it's interesting and challenging to run a business with your family. Um, of course. Of course, and you know that too. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know, the freedom we have and, and it's still a dream, right? The, mm -hmm. the dream wasn't just the beginning, it's still now. So. I think it's a wonderful thing. So there's a debate, and you know, we were, Taylor was talking about categories and sort of product experiences and brands. There's a debate about, you know, line extension and having lots of different products or having a few. What do you think is essential for the Left Coast brand and ethos? You know, is it um, focus on a few? Is it let the land, you know, as as you both said, let the land speak, and this is what we do, or you know. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think we're definitely terroir-driven in the sense mm -hmm. that um, we have a really unique site here in the Willamette Valley, mm -hmm. and it can produce really incredible wines that are unique to just this place. Even, you know, three miles down the road, you're going to produce something different, um, you know, based on the climate and the geology mm -hmm. and the history of that site. So I think for us we're really driven by okay what can we make and what's going to be really cool and what's mm -hmm. going to be really unique and um, the other thing about Oregon is we get a lot of vintage variation different weather patterns colder mm -hmm. hotter so for us in terms of what we're trying to make if it's a true representative of the state then we know we've done our job mm -hmm. um, if it's something that we were trying to make because we thought it could sell or that people were interested in it or it was popular, it's probably not something we should make, so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Kelly, the, the land, the brands, the whole thing, what, how, what, what's the right balance? I feel like um, maybe because our parents are entrepreneurs, <laughs> we also want to give people room to be self-starting. Mm -hmm. So, Having room for our winemaker to experiment um, has always been important and it's led to some interesting things. It's led to us making cider out of mm -hmm. the um, orchard that's left from the settlers. You know, when we started, that was just a remnant <laughs> and now it's a product. Um, and white Pinot, all of those things were, were adjusting to challenging growing conditions or um, 
So yeah, that, that agility and experimentation I think is really important. So the land has, you know, as, as we discussed, beautiful oak trees. It has uh, truffles. It has um, uh, some animals. It has gardens and obviously grapes. So how does that all come together? Do you think that's part of the brand when people come visit or, or distribution comes visit or you know, trade? Is that essential to the left coast experience, having that sort of, uh, what's the term, um, well, I guess panoramic, panoramic view of what the land is capable of? You know, is that, how, does, how does that fit? It, it creates a lot of maintenance, of course. I mean, you, you have to do a lot of things to keep it all going. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing about um, us and being in the wine industry, it's very much a lifestyle more than it's a job. So we live here and this is kind of what we do every day. Mm -hmm. Lifestyle business, yeah. Yeah, so the decisions you make um, aren't necessarily always geared towards, you know, budgetary concerns right. or profit margins. Um it's more so like, what do you want your life to look like and what do you want the life of this place to be? Mm -hmm. So for us, it was really important that um, we could kind of embrace the whole property. Mm -hmm. um, so we do a lot of work that goes beyond grapes. We do a lot of forest restoration mm -hmm. work. Um, we do a lot of habitat creation. We do a lot of farming of mm -hmm. things that aren't specifically for wine. Mm -hmm. So for us, it's really a part of the place because, you know, we say, oh, that we're driven by terroir. Mm -hmm. It's not just the geology of the soils. It's also the kind of biodiversity mm -hmm. that you have on the property. Um, we have a bunch of different microclimates. Those are impacted by how we're treating and farming the land. So for us, we try to think about the place as a whole. And if we can take good care of it and also explore the opportunities that it has... So we run a really multifaceted business that's taking a lot of what we could possibly right. do into consideration. I think it creates um, a lot more unique landscapes and places. Um, so, and it's just got a lot of character and soul, and I think that's hugely important to this place, which is important to making great wine, and it's important to us as our home, too, that it has a soul for sure and I think that was a lot of the attraction of the property initially but all the time we hear that from guests mm -hmm. that the place is just magic and part of it is that we are a family-run business so we can make decisions that are based more on longevity versus profit um, and some of that you know, if you look at the oak restoration, the time mm -hmm. scales of it, um, it's long. Mm -hmm. So to be able to make decisions that way and as a family, I think is, is um, a huge asset both to us and to the land. Mm -hmm. And also that a lot of farming over time has not been to the benefit of the environment. Um, and that's something we care a lot mm -hmm. about, and we've had our own learning curve. Sure. Um, and we've been able to have these great partnerships with U.S. Fish and Wildlife mm -hmm. and the USDA uh, to do to do these projects over time and to see how they work, and it's changed how we farm. Mm -hmm. 
So let's talk about a day. Mm-hmm. What's a day like? And then I'd like to talk about food. So a, a perfect left coast day and then a perfect finish, you know, let's say lunch and dinner. And what would you, what wines would you pick for your perfect day? So you're working, maybe not chasing gophers as much anymore, um, but working and then what would be the food you'd pick and the wines to go with that? Well, I think it starts with breakfast, right? Yep. So, um, we have ducks and chickens on property. Mm-hmm. So there's fresh eggs. Go up to the coop called the Chick Mahal. <laughs> Grab the eggs. Um, our dad is a voracious gardener, so we have amazing herbs to add. Mm-hmm. I like to keep it pretty simple for breakfast. Um, black coffee. Eggs and toast mm-hmm. go from there. And then I think I would say every day looks pretty different. And Tay and my roles are really different. Um, so there's some office time, there's some time out on the property. Mm-hmm. I would be looking more at the landscape and the the maintenance and the the fields, but also on my computer and looking at marketing. Sure. And then we were lucky enough to grow up with our dad, who's an amazing chef. Yes. So <clears throat> I can't imagine a, a meal without my father, really, <laughs> if it's like an authentic left coast meal. Yes. And he, they do have like the roots in, in France. So I would say like an amazing rotisserie chicken. Uh, yeah, some vegetables from the property and. And which wines would you recommend for for that day? I would do Truffle Hill Shard mm-hmm. for the chicken, and then maybe a nightcap of the right bank. Mm-hmm. Taylor, what about you? Um, I mean, food-wise, I'd probably be right there with the rest of my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, kind of like Callie was saying, every every day is different. And, you know, we make plans, but I always find it hard to know what to wear to work, because every day <laughs> I wear the nice clothing. We have, like, an irrigation blowout or, like, a hydraulic line break or something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, normally I don't have to deal with those things. But if I wear that nice shirt, for sure, like, That's the day. on lunch, <laughs> I'm the only one who's dealing with the hydraulics right. and I ruin the shirt. But if I dress like a complete slob and then, like, our, like, nicest distributor account will show, <laughs> show up, up right? and I'll look like I'm homeless. <laughs> uh, but I, it's really a lot of fun in that sense and that every day is, is wildly different and you never really know what to expect. And um, we have a lot of great people on our team and um, just interacting with all of those people on a day-to-day basis really gives me a lot of joy um, because they're all working really hard to make this dream work and make mm-hmm. wonderful wines and um, they all contribute to it mightily and um, all have their own challenges and successes and just to get to experience those with them mm-hmm. is really empowering and brings a lot of gratitude. For sure, for sure. Cool. Last question. 
How do you think buying and selling wine will change in the next five to ten years? Or do you think it will? Will it be the same? Distributors, restaurants, retail stores, wine club, or given COVID and all this, are things going to be different? What, what, what do you think, Taylor? Um, earlier we kind of talked about how there's so many different kinds of wines and there's mm-hmm. so much to learn about how the wine was made and who's making mm-hmm. it. Um, so my hope is that people will be ever more engaged in that. And like my sister was saying, a lot of people have great resources where if you're looking at a bottle, you know, you can go to their website and get a little bit sure. of a sense of who produced it. Mm-hmm. But um, I hope that, you know, consumers will really care about where their products are coming from and mm-hmm. make the decisions to support people that are making products more ethically or mm-hmm you know, caring for their employees or there's a lot of different ways to spin it. But I think, um, you know, there's a lot of amazing wines out there. And I think the more kind of resources consumers have to find those wines and kind of separate the, the marketing myth from the reality and see Mm -hmm. who's really involved and who, who's really just a label (laughs) cool concept driven wines or unique styles Mm or, or is really just driven by the passion. I hope that there's better access for consumers to find that. Mm-hmm. Kelly, what about you, you? What do you think for the sales and, and getting the thing out there for the next five or ten years? What will, what will be different or the same? I would totally agree with my brother that I hope there's better access. And I am really encouraged by the movement I've seen in fashion and food to go towards more clean and ethical and transparent supply chains. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, as Tay mentioned, you know, wine is just sort of this harbor for dreamers. So there's so (laughs) many other people that are like us. Mm -hmm. And I personally have been trying to to broaden my palette and range and, and support other people that are doing amazing things in our industry, different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, just, I think with how the, uh, everything is going more digital, which I think makes the experience of the estate even more emphatic. How do we share Mm -hmm. that in new and interesting ways? Mm -hmm. And a platform like yours is a, one of those experiments of, of how we do it. So Thanks. I don't think I know yet, but I do. I don't think it's going to stay the same. Yeah, cool. Definitely not. Great. Well, thanks for chatting, yeah, Taylor thanks, and Kelly. It's thank always you. great to catch up. Yes.